don't know why. Okay, a good night of Shabbos. <coughs> I need to share with you something that shook me this week to the core. I don't think, I don't remember being that scared. Ever. This past Tuesday, there was the first terrorist attack in the history of B'nai Brak. I need to explain to you why I'm sharing this with you and why this is so close to my heart. My family, my grandparents, had the schus to found the section of B'nai Brak called Zichon Meir that Reb Chaim lived in, his father lived in, the Chazanish lived in. And it was really, <coughs> really part of, they, they built it together. It was a community, it was a city built on Kedusha Tahara. You cannot imagine. There were only from Yidin. You had to be Shemir Shabbos to be part of the city. Shemikaja. It's an incredible, incredible city. The Kedusha of the city of B'nai Rak was known. And the Chazanish, who knew about Reb Chaim more than we did, the Chazanish said there will not be any bombs in Bnei Brak. There will not be any terrorist attacks in Bnei Brak. This continued on through Reb Chaim's entire life. I remember vividly Tuesday night um, during the Gulf War. I was in Tisrael right after the Gulf War. When all the stories were surfacing, everyone everyone was scared of the Scud missiles, everyone was wearing gas masks, and everyone ran into bunkers. There was one Jew in Menebra who pleaded to anyone who wants to hear him, don't go into bunkers, stay in yeshiva, nothing is going to happen, nothing. And people asked him why. He said they will not be a bomb in Bnei Brak. There will never be a terrorist attack in Bnei Brak. Those were his words. So much so, you can check this up. This is a fascinating fact about the Gulf War. One of the, I think it was 39 Scud missiles that hit Eretz Yisrael, fell right on the border of Ramat Gan and Bnei Brak. My uncle lived two blocks away from there, and uh, his windows got shattered, But and everyone went running to Reb Chaim, and they said, we heard a Scud missile fell in Bnei Brak. And Chaim said, did not happen. They said, we saw it. He said, it didn't happen. They said, Chaim, we can show you right now, there's a Scud missile that landed in Bnei Brak. And Chaim on face said, I will repeat myself one last time, it did not fall in Bnei Brak. They were very intrigued. They went to the municipality. And they checked, and it was fascinating that the border between Ramat Gan and Bnei Brak. On the municipality records, it fell in Ramat Gan, not in Bnei Brak. But the point I'm bringing out is that's how sure Reb Chaim was. He didn't share with us why Bnei Brak will never get attacked, but he did say it to his last day. To stand a week, two days after Shiva, maybe a week and two days after his Petira, after his Leviah, to have a gruesome attack. If I'm not mistaken, five people were killed. If that's not enough to send a shudder 
down anybody's spine. Where, why would a Kodesh Baruch Hu do that? A million people get together for Levaya. A week later, a Kodesh Baruch Hu would go ahead and send a terrorist attack, putting hundreds of thousands of Yidin who lived there, who were living in serenity. They were living totally unscared of the situation. And now they were thrown into fear. <coughs> I, I, I couldn't help but we're thinking about it. If you go through our history, was there ever a time where we were during a shiva and we were on a high level and immediately following the shiva, a tragedy struck? There was once that I think we all know about. And it was brought to my attention this week by a Rav that I was listening to. And he shared the following. In Parshish Nayach, he was supposed to be a Mabel. <coughs> HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I will wait a week. I will wait a week to bring the Mabel. Tells us Rashi in the name of a Gemara Sanhedrin. Why? Because of the honor and covet of Mishra Selach. Mishra Selach was a tzaddik. And Klai Yisrael got very involved, very intrigued by Mr. Shalach. And during the Shiva, they were totally inspired. Amazing. Yet the very day after the Shiva, after all those speeches, all those Hespedim, all those, obviously that's what they were doing, otherwise HaKadosh Baruch Hu wouldn't have pushed it off. HaKadosh Baruch Hu went ahead and brought a Mabel. Why? Because the inspiration was very short-lived. Inspiration came, inspiration went. I'm not a Navi, I'm not the son of a Navi, but I don't know if there's two ways to interpret how we have an entire Klal Yisrael is misable for a week, and a day or two later, the very thing, the very Shmira that Reb Chaim promised us, that there'll never be a bomb in Bnei Brak, there'll never be a terrorist attack in Bnei Brak. What is our Kutch Baruch Hu telling us? I want to share with you what I think is the message. I shared last week in Shul a Medrash. The Medrash says in the beginning of Parsha Shmini, the week the Chaim was before his Leviah, the week that we were all sitting, the, the week of the Petira, and he said the following. The Medrash says, it says, Listen to a Medrash. Why does it say the word Zikainim? It's going on the Parsha Shemini where Nadav Ahaviyu went into the base of Mikdash without asking Moshe Rabbeinu. They walked into the base of Mikdash. Moshe Rabbeinu was right there and they didn't ask him. What was the punishment they got? The punishment was that they died. And if you go through history, Rabbi Yehuda Halevi in the Kuzari says, what was the hate of the eagle? He says, you know what the hate of the eagle was? Hate of the eagle was that there was Aaron and Chur standing right there and Klai Yisrael did what they wanted. They didn't ask Aaron and Chur. What was the hate of the days of Purim? Mordechai was there and he was disregarded. We disregard our G'dayim. We disregard our Rabbeim. They don't protect. When Reb Chaim was alive, he was never disregarded. So the Shmir worked. Perhaps Reb Chaim was Nifter, 
We were inspired, but then everybody went on. Understand that tzaddikim are greater, Chazal tell us, after their nifta, they can even be a bigger shmira. How? Do you know the Reb Chaim Kanievsky did not write a tzavah? He did not write a will. Does anyone know why? Very simple. It was obvious what he wanted. By the stories, by his life, it was very clear. He didn't have to tell his kids what they should do. He told it to them for 94 years straight. Where what's happening now is he left us inspired with the stories and the hespedim by the tens of thousands probably throughout the world. Are we choosing to go on? Are we choosing to think that it's irrelevant? That is the problem. What we have to do is we need to go ahead and think this through. Because if we value their value and we recognize and connect with them, the Shmira works. I'm going to share with you a story. Or Reb Chaim Kanievsky's story itself, how he himself said, if it's up to you if the Shmira works for you or not. I want you to listen to this story. The story was told by no one less than Reb Yitzhak Zilberstein, the illustrious brother-in-law of Reb Chaim. He said he was there during the story that took place. Reb Chaim he used to go in every week to Reb Chaim to ask questions. He was sitting with Reb Chaim and a few other people, and a man walked in. said, an emergency, I need to run into Reb Chaim. I need to ask him something. They let him in. He said, my wife is on the table in a hospital. She has a very serious condition, and the doctor is recommending so-and-so procedure. And my, doc- my wife turns to the doctor and said, you're not touching me until Reb Chaim gives me his bracha. If Reb Chaim says yes to the procedure, okay. Reb Chaim says, no, I'm not doing it. So the person, the husband, the husband came in. He goes, I just wanted you to tell me a bracha that she should go through the procedure and all will be well. Reb Chaim says, nah, don't do the procedure. He says, one more time, clear, the doctor says he should do it. He says, no, don't do the procedure, Be'ezim should be good. The fellow's smiling, the wife doesn't have to know, he believes Be'amun Shalem, and he runs out. Runs back to the hospital, takes his wife home. Rav Zilberstein and the other people there were just amazed by the story. But this other fellow, not Rav Zilberstein, had what we'll call the chutzpah. And says, Chaim, this is one of the best doctors in the country. He says, I know. And he says, you know, he knows what he's doing. Chaim says, of course doctors know what they're doing. Shav Chaim says, so we, he asked Shav Chaim, he says, so why, are, why did you say not to listen to the doctor? Listen to what Rav Chaim answered. Rav Zilberstein said he heard it with his own ears. He said, this woman, the second the doctor spoke to her, she said, Doctor, the world of medicine is amazing, but there's something bigger than that. I need to ask a child. Should I do it or not? Sajra Chaim, this woman decided that there's something bigger than the doctor. If there, she really had that amuna, I said, you know what? She deserves to have something bigger than the doctor. And I just and I just said, should be bad Hashem. Not because the doctor wasn't right. It could have been the procedure would have been great. She chose to believe, said Reb Chaim, and therefore she got a higher level then because it would never, the doctor was never where she put her faith into. What I took from this story was you get protected as much as you connect. It's up to you. Reb Chaim said that this woman was protected. She didn't need this procedure. And obviously he finishes the story. She had her full shalema. How? Because she chose to connect. I'm 
pleading with you. This is not just to give a speech. Pick one thing to connect. If you want stories in his chesed, last night Rabbi Feinman spoke in the Rabbi Shul, he said story after story of chesed, I can't even imagine how kind the person could be. You want hasmada, you want taira. You can get thousands of stories in any single uh, midah. His kids testified he was not angry once in his entire life. He was never upset. Never got angry. People would drive him crazy. I, the list goes on and on. If you could pick one place, and I'm talking to myself, I took something on, Hashem should help, it should last, so I'll be able to remain connected. The Shmira of Reb Chaim was threatened. Hashem dangled it in front of our eyes. Blocks away from where he sat and served Hashem happened a terrorist attack <coughs> after 75 years of peace and quiet with the Haftacha that Reb Chaim Kanievsky is in Bnei Brak, and it will never happen. It means Hashem is telling us, you have a choice now. You can keep his connection or you cannot. When you connect, his will is his life. His tzavo is his life. Let's remember, there's going to be many of us that are just going to talk about him in a historical sense. Finished. You missed the opportunity. We spoke at the Hesped last Thursday night about the Svarim. There's something you can take. Please, Klal Yisrael needs this protection more than ever before. It worked for us for 75 years or 80 years since he came into Eretz Yisrael. We had his protection. He can still protect. Klal Yisrael needs a lot. There's a tremendous void. If we're all going to fill the void, to connect with him, I have no doubt Akush Baruch is going to help us. That Benisa Nigalu, historically we've went ahead in Nisan, we had a Agula, Benisa Asid Nigal, and Be'ezra Hashem Isbarach will be Zaycha to reunite with him and with all of our Gedailim in Yushalayim Rakhayesh and bring the carbon Pesach. Be'ezra Hashem, next week we'll have the opportunity to start, we will discuss Pesach, Metz Hashem. Have a wonderful Shabbos and Surah Tavis. This podcast was produced by Kahal Ferris Yosef of Boston. For more information or to support our programs, please visit us at teferisyosef.org.